Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Welcome Dale in, everybody. Episode Jr. Six. Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. Do the podcast, Here. Listening America. The Air Sports Wait. Podcast presented by Beth Brand Sportsbook. Oh, it is Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for a fun bonus episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. So, last day of February. What does that mean? Tomorrow's the first day of March. What does that mean? It means that college basketball is really ramping up. And so what I want to do... For most conferences, we have one week left in the regular season. There's actually some conference tournaments that are starting today that have just gotten going. And so what I want to do is go conference by conference and really just set the stage of the final week and the final week of the regular season. And then, of course, the conference tournaments that are coming next week. Who is already in? What seed could they get in the NCAA tournament? Who is on the bubble? Who needs to fight to get their way in? And we're going to go conference by conference, ACC, Big 10, Big 12 to start. From there, we go to the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big East, some of the smaller conferences, WCC, Mountain West, uh, AAC, all that good stuff. We're just going to go conference by conference, team by team. Where are we at? What do you need to know? Going to be a lot of information coming at you really fast, but the bottom line is think of this as your cram session as we are now basically heading into March, and this is information that you need to know. I'm recording late Monday, so if you're listening on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's a chance that some of this will already be outdated, but you should still listen, download anyway, share with some friends as well. So with that said, let's not waste any more time. And I guess I always say let's get to the topic of the day, but the topic of the day is tomorrow is March, and so as I just said, it's time to cram And get ready for March, March Madness that is coming here in just a couple days. Final week of the regular season in college basketball. Conference tournaments are already starting. The big ones start next week. We will have, and this sounds crazy, we're going to have a bracket. Not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday. It is wild. And so what I want to do, as I just said, go conference by conference, let you know who's in, who's out, all that good stuff. A lot of good information coming your way. We're going to start in the once fabled ACC. ACC isn't very good this year, and certainly the teams at the top are not what we would expect. 
But for the most part, they're going to get their five, six, seven bids. What's interesting about the ACC, though, is really kind of who is on the bubble, who could play themselves in and who could play themselves out. But let's start with who is definitively in. Virginia to start with, right? Listen, they're in the top 15 nationally. They have not played great over the last couple weeks. They should have lost that wild game to Duke where there was that controversial call late in the game, barely survived against Notre Dame and Louisville, and are actually coming into this week off back-to-back losses to both Boston College, not good, and North Carolina, certainly not good, who we'll discuss in a second. Still, Despite it, Virginia is in. Right now, they feel like the range is like a two to a four seed. I can't really see them falling further than a four. They have a couple nice out-of-conference wins, uh, including Baylor, including a couple other ones. Virginia comfortably in. They do need to take care of business this final week, though. Clemson at home, Louisville at home. No reason not to get on track going into the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. I don't have a lot of faith about them in March, but right now, very comfortably in. Speaking very comfortably in, Miami. I think this is a team, and we'll break down brackets when they come out, that you will need to know as we go forward. And as a matter of fact, as crazy as it sounds, I think the Miami Hurricanes and actually the NC State Wolfpack are probably the two teams in the ACC that are best built to win in March. Now, it's worth noting, With Miami, they are not coming off the best week of the season. They blew a huge lead, lost at the buzzer to Florida State, but it doesn't change the fact that they are a really, really, really good team currently sitting in second place in the ACC standings. Um, You know, listen, they, they still have one game left on the schedule. It is a big one. They play Pitt at home. Pitt believe it or not, is in first place in the ACC standings. But Miami is a team, like I said, they're going to get in. It's a lock. There's nothing they have to worry about at this point. And I think they're going to be dangerous. The question is where right now it feels like they're on that 4-5 line. If they were to lose to Pitt, lose early in the ACC tournament, in theory could fall to a 6 or 7. My guess is they're one of those fives, and they are going to cause havoc when they get into the bracket. So I just mentioned it. How about this? If you had to go to Vegas and bet a month ago or a year ago or at the beginning of the season who was going to win the ACC, I don't think very many of you would put any money on Pitt. Yet here they are, two games left. They are half a game above Miami alone in first place in the ACC standing, sitting at 21-8, and 14-4 overall. Great story. This was just something that nobody saw coming. And really, like even early in the season, this was not a team that anybody had on their radar. They actually started one in three. Now, some of the losses were good and respectable, but it doesn't change the fact that this has basically come out of nowhere. But right now, they are atop the ACC standings, two games left at Notre Dame, at Miami. The computer metrics aren't great. Right now, they're kind of in that eight, nine range. I would say, in theory, I think if they were to lose both of those games, including to Notre Dame, which, believe it or not, is tied for last place in the ACC, Notre Dame with two ACC wins tied with Louisville, as crazy as it sounds, Pitt, do not lose to Notre Dame. If they did, I could see the scenario where they are going into the ACC tournament on the bubble if they were also to lose to Miami as well. Bottom line, I don't believe they're losing to Notre Dame. 
I don't believe they're going 0-2. If they were, we can reevaluate them going into the ACC tournament. But again, this feels like about an 8-9 range team, maybe a 7 seed. Maybe if they make a deep run in the ACC tournament, maybe like a 6 seed, even a 5 seed. But credit pit, nobody saw this coming. Another team that nobody really saw coming, the NC State Wolfpack. Listen, we've talked about them on this show. I really like this team. And to their credit, they're taking care of business. 22-8 and eight overall, 12-7. and seven, uh, And they only have one game left in the regular season, believe it or not. So they have already played most of their league games. They close the season tonight at Duke. And then the regular season's over. Regardless of what happens here, regardless of what happens in the ACC tournament, they are in, and they are going to cause trouble once they get there. Again, another team that will break down when the brackets come out. The question isn't if NC State is going to be in the tournament, but where they are going to fit. My guess, this feels like an 8-9 type team. And an 8-9 type team, by the way, if they win that opener, they're going to give fits to somebody in the first, in the second round, that's a potential one seed because they can get up and down the floor. They can score. Ironically, they, they they played, they almost beat Kansas early in the year. So Kansas is trending as a number one seed, but NC State is in along with Miami, along with Virginia, and I believe Pitt is in as well. The final team in the ACC that is a lock to make the NCAA tournament. It's everybody's America's favorite team, the Duke Blue Devils. And listen, I'm not here to like rag on John Shire. They've done what they need to do. 21 and 8, two games left. NC State at home tonight, North Carolina on the road on Saturday. Even if they were to lose both, they will be in. They've taken care of business against the teams that they're supposed to. They have a couple nice out of conference wins, beat Xavier on a neutral court, beat Iowa on a neutral court. So they've done what they need to do. Now, how much damage can they do? We'll find out because this is a team we can make fun of Duke all we want but has quietly started to play pretty good basketball after that controversial finish at uh, Virginia. They have won their last four all by double figures, smacked Virginia Tech at home the other day, and now we get this week to find out about Duke. It's not if they're going to get in, but what is going to be kind of their momentum going in. Again, North Carolina State at home tonight. That is an NCAA tournament team. They win that one. It's a different conversation. It's certainly a different conversation if they go to Chapel Hill, win that one. And I think Duke could really probably ascend, depending again on what happens in the ACC tournament, to probably like a five seed, maybe a four seed if they win the ACC tournament. Year one for John Shire, we can evaluate. Was it a success? Was it a failure? I don't know yet, but they're comfortably in the tournament. Now, there are a few teams on the bubble in the ACC, and among them, the North Carolina Tar Heels, the reigning national runners-up that brought four starters back from last year. Now listen, North Carolina, okay, I forget what movie it was, some kind of movie where, uh, you know, somebody's hanging over the cliff and somebody's got like one finger attached to one finger and are they going to fall down the cliff? That was North Carolina coming into this week. North Carolina, as of last Friday, had zero quad one wins the entire season. Well, they beat Virginia at home. That was the best win that they have all year. And really, they played at Florida State on Monday night. And this wasn't a big win, but it was a game that they simply could not lose. North Carolina gets the win. Only regular season game left is Duke. Gotta beat Duke and really probably have to win 
you know, two games at the ACC tournament to feel really good, maybe three, depending on what the matchups are. But North Carolina has done what they need to do over the last week, but it'll be curious to see if they've dug themselves a hole too deep. Got to beat Duke. We'll see what happens from there. We'll see what happens in the ACC tournament. If I had to bet, we all know the committee can pretend that resumes and are the only thing that matters and, and you know, uh, school affiliation and conference affiliation doesn't. If I had to guess, my guess would be that North Carolina ends up in that play-in tournament. I would guess that their team, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to 68, and they end up in that play-in. Lastly, from the ACC, well, two two teams quickly that are very much on the fringes of the bubble. The first one, Clemson, twenty one and eight overall, thirteen and five. The problem with Clemson, they have a bunch of really bad losses in the out of conference. Lost at South Carolina. South Carolina's terrible. Lost to Loyola, Chicago, and then really the problem is the ACC isn't good. So they've done what they had to do, but they don't have enough quality wins because the ACC just hasn't provided them. Now they did beat Pitt earlier in the year. They did beat Duke, but they also lost to a bad Boston college team. They also lost to North Carolina, who we just talked about. They lost to Louisville last week. That Louisville loss may have put them out of the tournament. It probably should eliminate them from the NCAA tournament consideration. I would guess that Clemson, they have two games left. One is Notre Dame this weekend. Cannot lose that one. You lose that one, season's over. You're not going to the ACC tournament to play for anything. But you have Virginia before that. If you go 2-0 and in these games at Virginia and Notre Dame, I think you're probably on the right side of the bubble going into the ACC tournament, and then you got to probably win a game once you get there. You lose to Virginia, that's okay. What you cannot have happen is lose to Notre Dame. It'd be a brutal loss. So Clemson is a team worth keeping an eye out for. And Wake Forest is kind of the same. 18 and 11, 10 and 8 in ACC play. They got to win their final two games of the regular season. Manageable final two games. Boston College at home tonight. Syracuse on the road this weekend. Got to win both. By the way, remember, Jim Beheim said Wake Forest bought their entire team. Steve Forbes immediately called him out. So if you're looking for a little revenge tour factor this weekend, Wake Forest is it, but my guess would be they, they they have to win their next two and then probably have to win one to two at the ACC tournament to feel like they're on the right side of the bubble. Remember last year, ACC tournament, they went in right on the bubble. They lose early. It cost them a spot. Wake Forest is in survive in advance mode. I think they probably have to win their next three just to play themselves on the bubble. Final two regular season games, first ACC tournament game, and then if you win two at the ACC tournament, you feel kind of good. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's keep it going. That was the ACC, and boy, oh boy, did we cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And you want to talk about a lot of ground that we're going to have to cover? Let's go to the Big Ten. The Big Ten right now, according to Joe Lenardi, Joe Lenardi has nine Big Ten teams in. Now, we can argue if they should have that many teams in, and the Big Ten's always overrated. You know how I feel about it. But they currently have the most teams in right now, but they also have a bunch of teams on the bubble. So let's get into it really quick. First team is obviously Purdue. You don't need me to kind of go through the Purdue resume, but it is worth noting they have lost four of their last six. The interesting thing with Purdue, they got to start winning games to keep that number one seed that they fought so hard this season to have. Purdue right now, not an easy end of the season, by the way. They still have at North, or excuse me, Purdue uh, still has to end the regular season. This is a very interesting schedule to wrap things up. They still have at Wisconsin, and then Illinois on the final day of the regular season. Probably you go 2-0, and you feel pretty good that you're going to end up with the number one seed. You go 1-1, one and one, you go 0-2, now you're a 2, now you're a 3 seed. Purdue's in great shape, but they got to win those final two. Secondly, in the Big Ten, how about my Indiana Hoosiers? How about my boy, Mike Effing Woodson? Listen, I- I've talked enough about them. They're comfortably in. Two great wins over Purdue. They beat Carolina in the out of conference. They beat Xavier in the out of conference. This team is in great shape. And just the question is, can they keep building momentum going into the Big Ten tournament? Final two games for Indiana. They do host Iowa this evening, and then they host Michigan on Sunday, on Saturday, excuse me. So you talk about the opportunity to pick up two really nice wins at home. This is a great chance for Indiana. And I think they can really build some momentum going into the Big Ten tournament. I don't know if they'll be the favorite. They probably should be. They've beaten Purdue twice. But right now, they're kind of in that four-ish seed range. They win those two these two final games. They could probably play themselves up to a three. Can they get to a two with a Big Ten tournament win? I don't know. But I love this Indiana team. They are built to win big in March. Team that I'm not sold is built to win big in March, but they're still a great story. The Northwestern Wildcats. One NCAA tournament bid in school history prior to this season. That is going to double this year for the team that was picked to finish 13th in the league. Good thing for them. Manageable schedule down the stretch. Penn State at home at Rutgers. Doesn't really matter. They're playing for NCAA tournament seeding right now. Um, They're another one. I could see them being as high as like a five seed, probably as low as like a seven or an eight seed, depending on how things happen. But Northwestern is going to the NCAA tournament credit to them. Kind of the same with Maryland. Maryland's in some ways, the opposite as opposed to the veteran head coach trying to fight off the hot seat, like Chris Collins at Northwestern, Kevin Willard at Maryland, first year head coach came in from Seton hall and they have been dynamite. They actually got back into the top 25 this week and are currently in, how about this, a four-way tie for second place in the Big Ten standings. Only Purdue is ahead of them. They are currently tied with Northwestern, Indiana, and Michigan for second place. Maryland does close. It is not a, a, a as far as Maryland's concerned, not a terrible schedule, but 
at Ohio State at Penn State. Ohio State is currently 13th in the league at 4 and 14 overall. Penn State, not that much better. If Maryland can get two wins, I could see them as like a five seed. I think realistically, they're probably a six seed, but great first season for Kevin Willard. Maryland comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Speaking of comfortably in the NCAA tournament, after that, it really gets a little bit murky. Now, Iowa is in. Iowa was the team that was on the right side of that 13-point comeback in the final two minutes against Michigan State. They're in, and for them, I think the big thing is don't basically don't embarrass yourself down the stretch. You have at Indiana tonight and then Nebraska at home to close the regular season. If you lose both, and if you lose early in the in the Big Ten tournament, I could see the scenario where they're kind of in that play-in game type range. I don't think they're going to lose all three, though. So you beat Nebraska at home. You win a game in the Big Ten tournament. This is probably like an 8-9 type team, maybe a 7-seed type team. But Iowa, another team that's pretty comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Speaking of pretty comfortably in, I don't think they're totally in, though. That's the Michigan State Spartans. So Michigan State was on the other side of that historic comeback by Iowa this weekend. And right now, you look at Michigan State. 17 and 11, 19 and 8 in the Big Ten. And so I could see the scenario where if they were to lose their final two, they would be on the bubble going into the Big Ten tournament. And if they were to lose in the Big Ten tournament, there is a scenario where they could be out. The good news, I think Tom Izzo must have called in some favors because they have two of the worst teams in the league at Nebraska, Ohio State at home to finish the season. They should go 2-0. They should be comfortably in. I think they'll probably end up about a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. But Michigan State, I don't think it's a lock. They're pretty close to a lock. I think if they win one game anywhere else, they're a lock for the tournament. But they still got to win one more. Kind of the same for Illinois. Illinois is kind of an interesting deal. They took a brutal loss on Sunday at Ohio State. Ohio State is terrible. But you look at Illinois right now, they are 19 and 10, 10 and 8 overall. Final two, not easy for the for, for the Illini. Michigan at home, Purdue on the road. You lose both of those games. You're 19 and 12, 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. And you probably need one win in the NCAA in the Big Ten tournament to feel good. The good thing for Illinois, they do have some pretty quality wins throughout the season. This was a team that beat UCLA. This is a team that beat Texas in the out-of-conference. And so those wins should carry them. I think even if Illinois were to lose its final two regular season games and its opener in the Big Ten tournament, worst-case scenario, I think you're talking about an 11 seed, maybe a play-in game. Illinois should be good. Don't want to tempt the fates of the bubble, though. Probably should win one of your final two games. Michigan and Purdue are your final two regular season games. Speaking of Michigan, we'll get to them in a second. The bubble picture, I would argue the Big Ten, their bubble could swing one way or the other more than any other conference over this next week. So as I said, a lot of teams right now are pretty comfortably in. I think Michigan State, Illinois, probably one win away from feeling really good. Probably the same with Iowa. Iowa and Illinois could probably survive losing every game and still get in. Bubble is interesting, though. Rutgers. Rutgers may have just played their way into the NCAA tournament on on this past Sunday. This was a team that was down 19 points 
at Penn State comes back to win. They should be in if they can take care of business. They, their final two games, they play last place Minnesota, and they play Northwestern at home. You got to win one of those two. You especially got to beat Minnesota at home. You beat Minnesota at home. You should be in pretty good shape. You beat Northwestern. You should be in really good shape. You lose to Northwestern. You might have to win one at the Big Ten tournament. But I like where Rutgers is, is right now. You know who else I like where they're at right now? Is Michigan. They survive Wisconsin on Sunday. Another buzzer beater-ish type situation with Hunter Dickinson hitting a three to force overtime. But Michigan quietly is creeping up the standings. They're one of several teams tied for second place in the Big Ten standings. They have won three straight and six of eight overall down the stretch. And I think they're actually really starting to play good basketball. Now, even despite the win over Wisconsin, they are still on the bubble. The good news is they have two big games to prove that they deserve to be in the tournament. They play at Illinois this weekend, at Indiana, as or at Illinois on, on Thursday, at Indiana to close the regular season. Fascinating final two. I think you win one of those two, you probably feel pretty good. You lose both. You're going to the Big Ten tournament needing help. This feels like a team. I'm just calling it right now. It's February 27th. I am calling right now Michigan in the play-in along with North Carolina. That's the vibe that I'm getting. Two more bubble teams. Uh, One, the team that Michigan beat the other day, Wisconsin, Brutal loss for them. They're now 5-10 and 10 in their last 15. Now, it's worth noting with Wisconsin, they did have some injury issues earlier in the year when they struggled. Um, you know, some of their key players have missed significant time, including Tyler Wall missed several games this year. He's one of their top players. But you go 5-10 and 10 down the stretch, it's not good. They have Purdue at home, and then they close at Minnesota. You got to beat Minnesota. And if you beat Purdue, you should feel pretty good. If you lose to Purdue, you're going to need to do some work in the Big Ten tournament. Penn State, same deal. Blow a 19-point lead at home against Rutgers. It was a game you had to have. Now Penn State is sitting at, at overall 17-12, and 8-10 in the Big Ten. They still have two games left at Northwestern, at Maryland. Probably got to win at least one to keep yourself on the bubble. You lose both. You're probably going to need a deep, deep run in the Big Ten tournament to get in. But those are the four bubble teams. Those are the, the bubble in the Big Ten is crazy. Michigan, Penn State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin are clearly on the bubble. And I think by the end of the week, if Illinois and Michigan State and Iowa are not careful, they could potentially be there as well. Finally, before we take a quick break, let's get to the Big 12. Listen, I'll try to be quick on this because this show is going to go long. I can feel it. Kansas, lock for the NCAA tournament. Only thing that we're fighting for right now, are they a number one, are they a number one seed? Are they the number one overall seed? We'll find out Texas Tech tonight, Texas this weekend, win one of two. You're at worst splitting the out the big te- the Big 12 title. Win both. You're the outright Big 12 champs. My guess is Kansas ends up as the number one seed. Bill Self, you criticize him for whatever. He's the best coach in college basketball. Baylor beats Oklahoma State on Monday night. Credit to Baylor. Oklahoma State's a little bit shorthanded, but Baylor had been on a three-game losing streak. They break that. I think that was more of a byproduct of just playing a really, really, really tough schedule. I take that back, by the way. They were on a three-game losing streak going into this weekend. They've now won two straight. They close against Iowa State later on this week. Iowa State, we'll talk about in a minute. Iowa State is trending in the wrong direction. Baylor, in my opinion, I would guess, ends up as a two-seed when the bracket comes out. Texas... Texas is really interesting. So Texas right now 
is technically in second place in the Big 12. They can technically win the Big 12 outright. If Kansas were to lose to Texas Tech and Texas were to beat TCU later this week, then Texas and Kansas would be playing on the final day of the regular season, the winner winning the Big 12 title. The problem is Texas is not playing well right now. They have lost three of their last six, just lost at Baylor the other day, and they took a weird loss to Texas Tech a few weeks ago. They got to get right. Feels like they're trending towards a three-ish type seed, but TCU tomorrow night, Kansas this weekend. You do not want to go into the Big 12 tournament losing four of your last six, five of your last seven, which is where they would be. You want to get right. Texas is still good. It does feel like they're trending in the wrong direction, though. The defense is taking a step back. Uh, a couple other teams. Kansas State, just a great story. Nothing else to add. Jerome Tang's the man. Keontae Johnson, unbelievable story. Marquise Noel, one of the few holdovers from last year. They're playing really good basketball right now. They feel like a three to four-ish type seed in the NCAA tournament. Don't think they can get too much higher. Don't think they can get too much lower. Oklahoma tomorrow night and at West Virginia on Saturday. I guess in theory, if they lost both of those games and then lost early in the Big 12 tournament, maybe you're looking at like a six seed Kansas State. Great story. Um, TCU is going to be an interesting one. TCU 19 and 10, 8 and 8 in the Big 12. Still have games against Texas tonight or Texas tomorrow night, excuse me, at Oklahoma. This is a team, they're in the NCAA tournament. And what will be interesting is how are they judged? Because remember, their star player, Mike Miles, got hurt in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. In that game, they then lose without him five of six. He comes back, they bounce back, they're playing well but I don't know how TCU is judged right now. They feel like they're about an eight, nine type team Win these next two. I could see them as like a four five. If they continue to win out, TCU is really dangerous. If they're healthy really quickly in the rest of the big 12, uh, Iowa state, Iowa state is in the NCAA tournament. That's the good news. The bad news is they are not playing very good basketball right now. They played West Virginia at home on Monday night. They lost a second straight home game. They have now lost six of seven overall and seven of nine dating back to the late January, really. So they're trending in the wrong direction. They need to get right. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. But this was a team that when the mock bracket came out, they were a three seed. Now they're eight and nine in the Big 12. I think they probably end up as about a six, seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Keep in mind, by the way, they lose this weekend. There's a chance they're playing in the play-in conference tournament game, the 7-10 game to open the conference tournament. Iowa State just needs to get right. Really quickly, Oklahoma State, you feel bad because they're dealing with injuries. They were on the bubble, but they have now lost five straight, including Monday night to Baylor. They need to win at Texas Tech this weekend and then probably win one to two games in the conference tournament to feel good. Otherwise, they are out. Ironically, Texas Tech, the team that they play this weekend, they are very much on the bubble as well at 16 and 13 overall, 5 and 11 in the Big 12 uh, standings. Texas Tech plays Kansas tonight, and then they play later this week that Oklahoma State team. I think Oklahoma State, Texas this weekend is a Texas Tech, excuse me. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech this weekend is a game to watch. The loser of that one is probably eliminated from NCAA tournament at large consideration. Winner probably just gets to survive and go to the Big 12 tournament with a chance. 
Each team is desperately going to need a win as Oklahoma State will play Texas Tech this weekend. Finally, West Virginia, another team hanging on by the skin of their teeth. They beat Iowa State on Monday night, now 17-13, and 6-11 overall. They play Kansas State at home on Saturday. You win that one, you feel pretty good going into the Big 12 tournament. You lose that one, you're going to need to do some work in the Big 12 tournament. Whew. That was a long first episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast, but guess what? We got plenty more for you. Coming up, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to hit on the SEC, the Big 12, or the Big, T- uh, the Big East, the Pac-12, Mountain West, AAC, and whatever. I should mention, by the way, Mountain West was recorded earlier in the day. Did not realize that Nevada was playing tonight on Monday night against Wyoming. So I'm going to talk about if they lose to Wyoming. They did to lose to Wyoming. Crushing loss. Steve Alford. I don't know what to say. Take a quick break. Hit on the rest of the tournament picture. We'll be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967. In the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, it's what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game and new users. How about this? Get up to a thousand dollars in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200 plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Let's rip through everything else, right? So we just hit on the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, but there is a lot of college basketball left, and so what I want to do is set the stage in all of the other major conferences. We'll get to the Pac-12 in a minute, the Big East. We'll obviously talk about some of these smaller conferences that have a chance to get multiple bids, Uh, but let's start with the SEC because I, I would just say in general, 
it's quietly shaping up to end up be to end up being a pretty nice year for the SEC. Obviously, throughout the season, teams have had their ebbs and flows. Uh, Texas A&M struggled out of the gate. Kentucky struggled out of the gate. Arkansas has been dealing with all sorts of injuries all year long. But right now, in Joe Lenardi's most recent bracket prior to Tuesday, eight SEC teams are in, which would be tied for the second most of any league. So for a league that has been largely seen as a little bit disappointing this year, it's actually not so bad. And so let's get into it. And obviously the place to start is the program that unfortunately off the court has been in the headlines for the last two weeks. That's the Alabama Crimson Tide. But we've done enough Alabama off the court stuff on this show. And it's time to just from the basketball perspective, talk about them. And from the basketball perspective, this is a team that is trending towards a number one seat. Now, they still have two games left in the regular season and they won't be easy. Auburn at home later this week and then at Texas A&M on Saturday. But if they win either one of those two games, they will clinch the outright SEC regular season title for the second time in three years. And really, I think if they win both, they probably go to the SEC, essentially SEC tournament, essentially having an NCAA tournament number one seed locked up. Now, nothing's certain. You don't want to take a bad loss in the quarters. But overall, Alabama's schedule is through the roof, right? In the out-of-conference, they, they beat North Carolina on a neutral. They play, beat Michigan State on a neutral. They beat Memphis at home. They beat Houston on the road. And then, obviously, in the SEC, beat Arkansas twice, uh, beat Auburn on the road, beat Kentucky. So this is a team that has put together a really impressive resume. And obviously, at this point, they're not only a lock to make the NCAA tournament, but I'm curious to see, is this a team that can end up on that number one seed line come Selection Sunday? Again, off the court issues with the Alabama Crimson Tide, but on the court, they are taking care of business. The other team that is is really actually in pretty good shape go, you know, come the NCAA tournament picture is a team that has just been getting raked over the coals over the last three, four weeks for their on-the-court production, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers. Overall, they have lost four of their last six, five of their last seven. But what can't be denied is they still have a really good resume. First off, let's remember, they're the only team in the SEC to beat Alabama right now. Um, beyond that, in the out-of-conference, they beat Kansas, they beat Texas at home. And so this team is actually in pretty good shape, even despite their struggles of late. Now, obviously, you want to end the season kind of with a bang, and it won't be easy because they have a tough schedule ahead at Arkansas or Arkansas at home, excuse me, tonight, and then at Auburn to close the season. You want to win at least one of those two, if not both, just to build momentum going into the SEC tournament. But Tennessee is a lock. Tennessee is in. The only question is, where is their seed line? Right now, if I had to guess, listen, I think I think the ceiling for Tennessee right now is probably a three seed. Um, Jerry Palm in his most recent bracket has them as a four. Think some of it depends on can they pick up one to two wins this week? And then more importantly, what happens at the SEC tournament? Are they going to take a bad loss there? Are they going to improve their resume? I could see them fall as low as maybe a five, maybe a six if they don't win either of these regular season games but Tennessee is very comfortably in the next group in the sec. Um, it, just a wide range of teams. That's comfortably in with everybody's got a slightly different story. So let's start with the team. That's second in the sec rankings right now, or the sec standings, excuse me. That's the Texas A&M Aggies. Texas A&M has had a wild regular season. 
So this was a team that came in with so much hype, and they did take some bad losses in the out-of-conference. They lost to um, uh, Murray State, excuse me, on a neutral. They lost to Boise State, which is actually a pretty decent team. They lost to Wofford at home, and this looked like a team that wasn't going to make the NCAA tournament. And all they've done is continue to fight, continue to get better in the SEC, 13-2 and overall in league play, 14-2, and excuse me. Now they did, or 13-3, and excuse me. They did lose on Saturday on the road to Mississippi State, but I don't believe that keeps them from making the NCAA tournament at all. Texas A&M is in right now. I would venture to guess they're probably a 6-7 to seed, but as we've discussed on this show, they're veteran, they're tough, the way they play defense, I would not want to see them in their bracket. Texas A&M is very comfortably in. Another team that really has actually kind of just completely flown under the radar, which I find very interesting, is the Missouri Tigers. Missouri, great basketball tradition, but really the last decade, even when they've made NCAA tournaments, has felt sort of second tier, felt not really significant. And all Dennis Gates has done in his first year is very comfortably got this team into the NCAA tournament picture. They are in. I don't believe there's a scenario where they can't where they can play themselves out. Uh, in the most recent bracket from Joe Lenardi, they are an eight seed overall. And I think, look, that that's probably their range, probably like that seven to ten range. But we have to look at where they started, who they were coming into the season, and the job that Dennis Gates has done. As a team that in the regular season won at Tennessee beat Kentucky at home, beat Arkansas at home. That was a weird game. I know Arkansas fans probably aren't happy reliving that one or relitigating that one, but they beat Illinois in in uh, in the out-of-conference. And so just overall, just a great first year for Dennis Gates. They're in, and they have a chance really, I think, this week to build on their resume because they play the bottom of the barrel in the SEC at LSU or LSU at home or at LSU, Ole Miss on the, at home to end the regular season two games that should be wins that obviously will set them up nicely heading into the SEC tournament. Missouri, a team that not a lot of people have talked about these last few weeks very comfortably in. Let's get to the two teams that I think everybody's kind of got their eye on in terms of what's next for the bracket, and that's Kentucky and Arkansas. Kentucky, wild season. We've talked about it a lot on this show, but I think as of probably two weeks ago, there was a big part of Big Blue Nation that kind of thought maybe they're not even in the NCAA tournament at all. We've talked about that, but to their credit, they have turned the corner and picked up a bunch of wins to really improve their resume. The win, uh, the second win against Tennessee, so two wins against Tennessee. They win at Mississippi State, which is a quad one win. Again, quad one, the most important wins you can have on your resume. At Florida, a quad one win. And then their Texas A&M win has gotten better over the last few weeks because of the fact that Texas A&M continues to win. So Kentucky, they're in. They're going to be dangerous. My guess is if they take care of business this week. Now, it's not going to be easy. They have Vanderbilt at home later this week, and then they have at Arkansas on the road. Curious, obviously, how they play at Bud Walton Arena, but then also, more importantly, can they take care of business at the SEC tournament? To me, this team, it feels like a six seed, maybe a five in the NCAA tournament if they don't take a bad loss at the SEC tournament. And as we discussed on Monday's show, this is not a team that you want to see in your bracket. Speaking of team, you don't want to see in your bracket. Obviously, it's the Arkansas Razorbacks. Right now, weird year for Arkansas. We've discussed it. Another one we've discussed a ton. 19 and 10 right now, and it's not going to be easy. They play Tennessee tonight on the road. They also have Kentucky at home to close the season. 19 and 10 overall, you do the math. 
That would put them at 19 and 12 going into the SEC tournament if they lose both games. Now, I don't think they uh, I don't think they need to win a game at the SEC tournament if they were to lose both, but obviously splitting this week would be good. Splitting this week would obviously very comfortably put them into the NCAA tournament picture. And I think for Arkansas at this point, it's kind of just get to the tournament and figure it out. We know how talented this team is. We know they're trying to reintegrate Nick Smith into this lineup. The McDonald's All-American future lottery pick, he's been out. To his credit, he is coming back. Now it's about can you get him playing at a peak level and does it impact other guys? Obviously, the Saturday game against Alabama, Anthony Black didn't play a ton. You know, Anthony Black didn't play a ton, especially in the second half. The question becomes, how do you keep everybody locked in, everybody operating at the highest level? Because if you can get Nick Smith playing well alongside Ricky Council, alongside Anthony Black, that is a team that is very scary. Arkansas is in. I don't know what their seed's going to be, probably in the 8-9 range. Man, oh man, I'm telling you, I would not want to play them. Imagine being Kansas or Baylor or whoever, uh, UCLA, playing all year long to get a number one seed, only see Arkansas in your bracket. It's unbelievable. Last couple teams in the SEC, and this is actually where it gets very interesting. So I just told you there's, I think, six teams that are very comfortably in. Alabama, Tennessee are definitely in. Texas A&M pretty much definitely in. Same with Kentucky, same with Missouri. Arkansas probably just needs one win at some point to, to very comfortably punch their ticket. Auburn's an interesting one, though. So Auburn's kind of this weird team that's just kind of been hanging out all year, was in the top 25 for most of the season. But now you look up, and they're playing their worst basketball at the worst possible time. Now, part of it was maybe the schedule was front-loaded. To Bruce Pearl's credit, they took advantage early in the schedule. But listen, here's the truth about Auburn. They have lost five of their last seven and seven of their last 10 overall. And you start to look at their resume. There really isn't a lot there. This is a team that, you know, you look at their resume in the out of conference. Best win is to a Northwestern team that's kind of a Northwestern's fine, but let's be honest. Uh, they beat Florida at home early in conference play when Florida was good. They beat Arkansas at home early in conference play. But let's just go through the last few weeks. Lost to Texas A&M. Lost at West Virginia in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Lost at Tennessee. Lost at Texas A&M in a, a rematch game. Lost at Alabama. Lost at Vanderbilt. Lost at Kentucky. For Ar for Auburn, they do play Alabama on the road later this week on Wednesday. Good luck in that game, and they close with Tennessee at home. Listen, you want to feel really good if you're Auburn? Split. Win one of those two games. If you lose both, I don't think it's certain that you're going to the SEC tournament needing a win, but you probably are going to the SEC tournament needing at least one win to feel comfortable, at the very least not to take any bad losses. Finally, in the SEC, let's give a little credit to Chris Jans and Mississippi State. Obviously, Dennis Gates is setting the bar for what a first-year coach is doing in this league. Mississippi State's been very interesting. So, they started 11-1 in out-of-conference play, actually 11-0 overall. Then how about this? They go one and seven to start SEC play, but now with two games left in the SEC regular season, they're sitting at seven and nine overall, which means I'm not great at math, but six and two in their last eight SEC games. And what's interesting about Mississippi State, they actually have a pretty nice resume. They beat Texas A&M at home last weekend. 
But in the out-of-conference, they beat Marquette on a neutral. They beat TCU in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So they have the wins, and for them, they almost feel like, to me, a little bit about what I said a minute ago with Arkansas. Just don't take bad losses. And to their to, to, to their advantage, the schedule breaks nicely for Mississippi State. They have, in the next two games, two teams that they should beat at South Carolina, Vanderbilt at home, or excuse me, South Carolina at home this week, and then at Vanderbilt to close the regular season. Win both those two games. You should be in very, very, very good shape. Don't take a bad loss. And I think Mississippi State might punch their ticket before they get to the SEC tournament. Mississippi State in Joe Lenardi's last four out as I record late Monday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really quickly, let's get to some of the other leagues. You know, the Big East is pretty straightforward. The Big East has five teams that are very comfortably in. Nobody really on the bubble, although one team's interesting. We'll talk about them. Let's rip through the Big East um, again. Everybody's accounted for. Marquette, they are the story of the year in the Big East. They have clinched a share of the regular season title, and they can clinch an outright title by winning one of their last two games. They play Butler and St. John's, two really bad teams. And I don't really know what the ceiling for this Marquette team is in terms of a seed. Right now, it feels like if they were to win out, could this team be a two seed? I think they probably end up on the three line. But overall, in a loaded S- uh, a loaded Big East, excuse me, they're probably going to finish 17-3 and three overall. They're going to get the number one seed at the Big East tournament, and they have just had an incredible year. Beat UConn earlier in the year, beat Providence, won at Creighton last week. Don't think we can underestimate how good that win was for Marquette. So let's just give them a ton of credit. Shaka Smart has done an incredible job, and it will be very interesting to see. If they are to take care of business at Butler St. John's, that puts them overall going into the Big East tournament at 25 and six overall. You'd assume they'd get a win or two there. At that point, I don't even know if they need to win another. I don't think they need the point I'm trying to get to. I don't think they need to win the Big East tournament to get, say, a two, three seed in the NCAA tournament. Great year for Shaka Smart. This might be the most underappreciated team in all of college basketball right now. Let's stick with the locks out of the Big East. Listen, my UConn Huskies in the the Big East standings right now, they're probably not going to finish like top two, top three. But as I said the other day, they are now six and one in the last calendar month, last seven games overall with wins against Marquette, the team that is the outright is going to win the league regular season title. And against Providence, they took care of business the other day at home. This is a team in the out of conference 
beat Alabama, beat Iowa State, beat Oklahoma State, won at Florida. This UConn team, I'm just saying, one, you don't want to see them in your bracket, but two, I still think they have some moves to make up the seed lines. Now, in the bracket reveal a few weeks ago, UConn was not in that top 16, but they've since added a really good win against Providence, and more importantly, they have just a great resume overall. They have a very nice schedule to close, by the way. They get Seton Hall, excuse me, or DePaul, excuse me, at home this week. Then they're going to play a pesky Villanova team. That Villanova game is now sort of important. I could see UConn, if they can win these next two and get hot at the Big East tournament, getting all the way to, say, a three seed because, again, they have a great out-of-conference resume, including a win over Alabama on a neutral probably ends up in that four range. They are going to be dangerous, though. Let's keep it going in the Big East. Beyond UConn, Xavier, kind of the opposite of UConn. First of all, great story for Xavier. First-year head coach, Sean Miller, we've discussed it. But they lost a, a key player, Zach Fremantle, a few weeks ago to injury, and they've really kind of struggled over the last couple of weeks. They've lost three of their last five. Now, one of them was to a surging Villanova team, which we're going to talk in, to talk about in a minute. Then they lost to a bad Butler team as well. For them, it's just about get healthy, get right, get going in the uh, in the Big East tournament. Right now, they are currently tied with Providence for second place. Those two teams actually play, Xavier and Providence play on Wednesday night, a 6.30 Eastern game. Uh, you do the math right there. If, if Xavier beats Providence in Providence, they will almost certainly lock up the two seed. If not, they'll probably be the three. Great first year for Xavier and Sean Miller. I suspect they'll probably be about a five to six seed in the NCAA tournament overall, but they are officially in. Providence, by the way, is officially in. Now, the difference between Providence and Xavier, same regular season record as I record here, same same Big East record at 13 and five overall. They really, Providence, don't have much of an out of conference resume to speak of. Now, part of that is Providence lost five starters from last year's team that made the Sweet 16. And so, because of it, my guess, I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that Ed Cooley, the head coach at Providence, probably scaled back the schedule to get his team going. The only reason I bring it up is that outside of a big run, first of all, got to take care of business against Xavier at home on Wednesday. But assuming there isn't a crazy run at the Big East tournament, this feels like a team, kind of what I said about Texas A&M, kind of in that 7 to 10 range come NCAA tournament time. Providence very comfortably in. They'll beat you up. They'll be physical. We'll talk about them when the NCAA tournament bracket comes out. And we'll talk about them next week when uh, conference tournaments really ramp up. But they are very comfortably in. They are the fourth team. And the fifth team, another team I feel like we've talked about a ton on this show this year, Creighton. Preseason top 10 team, brutal out of conference schedule. They lose their best, most important player, Ryan Kalkbrenner, for a big, you know, five, six game stretch. Really struggled at one point, uh, did lose six games in a row. Then they get healthy. Now, to be fair, those six games, they were against some really good teams. At Texas, before Chris Beard had his situation, um, they lost to Arizona in the Maui Championship. They lost to Arizona State, which is all of a sudden looking like an NCAA tournament team. They lost at Marquette to open Big East play. Then they get red hot, but it is worth noting that they've lost three of their last four, and they got smacked by Villanova on Saturday. Creighton is in. Creighton has to get right. 
another team that feels like they're probably in that seven to 10 range come NCAA tournament time. Good news is they close against Georgetown and at DePaul over the next two games. You would hope that those are two games teams currently ranked in, in 10th and 11th out of 11 teams in the Big East standings. You'd hope you win that those next two games to get right going into the Big East tournament. And then once you get to New York, anything can happen. Lastly, on the Big East, don't think that I missed anybody of note, but just keep an eye on Villanova. We talked about them. So they are finally fully healthy. They finally have the entire roster. Justin Moore incredibly came back from an Achilles injury. They have now won five of their last six games. That includes a win at Xavier. That includes Seton Hall at home. That includes Creighton at home this weekend. They are not in the bubble picture, but I'll tell you, first of all, they win their next two at Seton Hall at U or UConn at home. I still don't think it's probably enough. They'd be 17 and 14 at that point. Probably would have to make a run at Madison Square Garden at least to the conference championship game. But I don't think it's inconceivable that this team can win the conference tournament. Listen, they have three, four key players back from last year's Final Four team. Obviously transitioning post-Jay Wright, dealing with all sorts of injuries. But you look at them now. As I said, they've won five of their last six, and they want to make a statement. They can do it this week. Seton Hall at home, UConn, Seton Hall on the road, UConn at home. Really quickly, Pac-12, Pac-12 is pretty explainable. Mick Cronin, UCLA, Big Mick Energy, they clinched the Pac-12 regular season title uh, on Saturday against Colorado. They are your Pac-12 regular season champs, first time since 2013. Only question now is, is this a team that is going to potentially get a number one seed probably in the West region. This is a team right now, very good win-loss record. The problem with UCLA, and by the way, did you see UCLA, did you see Mick Cronin go crazy on the selection committee? Say, or, you know, the, the they did that bracket reveal and UCLA was a two and Mick Cronin claimed it was only because they're leaving for the Big Ten and everybody's mad at him. Coach Mick, I love you, buddy. But could it be because your best win right now, you're 25 and four and your best win is probably at Maryland? Could that be it? Because you only played Arizona once and you lost to him. You lost to Baylor in the out-of-conference. You lost to Illinois in the out-of-conference. Your best win is probably a decent to good Maryland team, but not great. That's probably why I do think with UCLA, they're in good position, though. The big thing for UCLA, this is very interesting. There's basically four schools in the Pac-12 that can be in the tournament picture. They all play this weekend. The two LA schools, the two Arizona schools. So UCLA hosts Arizona State on Thursday, then they host Arizona to close the season on Saturday. Win both of those, I think they're in very good shape for a number one seed. I don't even know if they need to win the Pac-12 tournament to get that number one seed. Arizona, almost the exact opposite of UCLA. Arizona was really good in the out of conference. They won the Maui Invitational, beat a good San Diego State team, beat a good Creighton team in the final. They beat Indiana on a neutral. They beat uh, Creighton or they beat uh, Tennessee at home. Great out of conference resume, beat UCLA, but they've taken some weird losses in conference. They obviously lost on a buzzer beater on Saturday to Arizona State, but also lost at Stanford, at Oregon, Washington State at home. And so this is a team that has probably played themselves out of the picture for uh, for a number one seed. They'll probably be a number two somewhere, Midwest, East, something like that. They're dangerous. They're good. They're comfortably in. 
they can keep building on that resume with uh you know with 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 the wins this week they play again at USC at UCLA I'll tell you what they win both of those and they win the Pac-12 tournament there's an interesting conversation to have about them being a one seed with that great out of conference resume I just don't know that they're going to win all those games finally in terms of the bubble picture for the Pac-12 two teams USC is one Arizona State is the other USC holding on by the skin of their teeth. USC has one really good win against UCLA at home, but a couple weird losses. Florida Gulf Coast in the non-conference portion of the play, of the season. They lost to Oregon State, a terrible Oregon State team which is 10 and 19 overall. They lost at Oregon State with USC again. It's simple. They play both Arizona schools at home this weekend, Arizona on Thursday, Arizona State on Saturday. A clean sweep puts them in pretty good shape. You want to, if you, if you can only win one, it's probably Arizona, but you don't want to lose to Arizona State at home either. So USC, I don't know that there's a team that we've talked about that has more in front of them in terms of opportunity than the USC Trojans. USC with plenty of big games ahead. And how about those Arizona State Sun Devils? Arizona State, they were basically dead to rights, right? But... What ends up happening? They 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 hit that buzzer beater to beat they hit that buzzer beater to beat Arizona this weekend. And now all of a sudden they're very much alive. Arizona State, another weird one in the Pac-12. They have wins in the out of conference against Creighton on a neutral, Michigan on a neutral, VCU on a neutral. They beat in conference play at Arizona. They wanted Arizona one of the best wins that anybody has in conference play all year long. Took some really bad losses as well. Again. All these teams play each other this weekend. Arizona State probably to get into the NCAA tournament at this point, my guess would be has to split at the the LA schools. So win against one of those two LA schools, USC or UCLA, and more importantly, just can't take a bad loss at the conference tournament uh, where they will be either the four or five seed, depending on how things shake out. They just can't take a bad loss. I think that's the big thing. Split this weekend. Don't take a bad loss. You're probably in. Either goes the other way, you're probably not. You're probably out. All right, let's wrap with the rest of the uh, let's the rest of the NCAA tournament picture. Frankly, basically, bottom line, right? Um, bottom line, we just hit the top six conferences. There are a few conferences left that are trending as multi bid leagues, and there are also a couple teams that are kind of interesting on the cusp that you probably need to know going forward. So let's start uh, AAC. That is the home to the number one team in the country as of right now, this second, Houston Cougars. You already know about how I feel about Houston. Love me them Cougars. Love me them Cougars. You already know. But Houston, last year in the AAC, they're running away with it. They are right now trending not just for a number one seed, but potentially for a number for the number one overall seed. For them, the big thing, don't take any bad losses between now and the end of the year. They play Wichita at home. Got to win that one if you want to be a number one seed. They do play Memphis on the road this weekend. Memphis gave them fits a few weeks ago without their best player. And so I don't know that it would shock me if Memphis pulled off. I don't know if we would even call it an upset on Saturday uh, or over the weekend, I should say, at FedEx Forum. Finally, there's obviously the conference tournament for Houston. You could probably afford to lose to Memphis 
You don't want to take any other losses prior to your conference tournament championship game. Do that. You'll be a number one seed. Take a weird loss in the conference tournament or to Wichita at home. You're probably looking at a two seed, but yeah, I think Houston's probably going to be a number one seed. Speaking of Memphis, they're the only other team in this conference that is trending as an at large. And for Memphis, again, they play Houston this weekend. It's really for Memphis about not taking any bad losses. They play at SMU later this week. SMU is not very good this year. Got to go on the road. Got to win that game. Got to take care of business in that game. And then the Houston game is kind of like a free roll, right? You win that one. You lock up a tournament bid. You don't win that one. You're still probably going to be comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Right now, I've seen kind of the 8, 9, 10 projection line for Memphis but good out of conference resume, beat Texas A&M, beat Auburn on a neutral. I think they're in. Just don't lose to SMU. Don't take a bad loss in the conference tournament, and they're fine. Penny Hardaway trending for a second straight NCAA tournament bid. Uh, really quickly, everywhere else, Mountain West, San Diego State, they're a lock. The only question is how high can they get on those seed lines? They've won 16 of their last 18, hit a buzzer beater at New Mexico to clinch an NCAA, uh, to clinch the out, or to clinch the, I'm tripping over my words here, to clinch the regular season title in the Mountain West. They're going to be a threat in the tournament right now. I think they're probably about a five seed, could see the scenario where if they win their next two regular season games, including a tough one at Boise later this week, and then they win the Mountain West tournament, could see the scenario where they're a three seed. Probably feel more like a four to five if they don't completely collapse down the stretch. San Diego State comfortably in. The only question is how high and how dangerous will this team be once they get in. Beyond San Diego State, two teams are in a pretty good shape. The first one, how about my boy Steve Alford? So I crushed Steve Alford for years. But to his credit, I think you can legitimately argue this is probably the best coaching job he has had in quite a bit of time. Nevada, the Wolfpack, he is the head coach of the Nevada Wolfpack, replaced Eric Musselman about three, four years ago. They're in very good shape to make the NCAA tournament at Nevada. Now, what I will say, as I record here, they are playing a Monday night game at Wyoming. Steve Alford, for the love of you know what, do not lose that game. If they do, they probably, bottom line is this, they have at Wyoming UNLV to end the regular season. Neither team is very good. Just don't lose both. Just don't lose both, and you'll probably be okay. Lose one, you'll probably be fine. Win both. I think you're going to the Mountain West Tournament on a free roll. You're already in the NCAA Tournament. Just can't take a bad loss this week. If you do, you certainly can't take a bad loss in the Mountain West Tournament. But listen, Steve Alford has done a great job with this group. Got to give him some credit. Boise State, really interesting. Very good team. Uh, they are currently tied for second place with the Nevada Wolfpack. Um, and they actually have a very interesting resume. Good out-of-conference resume. Beat Texas A&M in the out-of-conference, as I mentioned earlier. Beat St. Louis, a very good team in the out-of-conference as well. Um, but they took a bad loss this weekend to San Jose State on the road. That was just a brutal loss. They were in the field. They weren't even in like the last four in, first four out, whatever. Got to take care of business in games like that. They do not... And now they got to sweat a little bit. The good thing or bad thing for Boise, depending on how you look at it, 22 and seven overall entering this final week of the regular season, two pretty tough games, San Diego state at home at Utah state. I would actually argue it's better to listen. The San Diego state win would be great, 
but a Utah State loss would be bad. Boise, another one, like Nevada. Just don't go 0-2 this week. You'll probably be in the tournament. If you go 0-2, you'll be playing for your tournament bid at the Mountain West Tournament. Finally, I just mentioned Utah State. They are 22-7, 11-5. Really cool story. Their coach is Ryan Odom. If that name sounds familiar, he was the head coach at UMBC when they upset Virginia. He's kind of moving up the ladder, ends up in the Mountain West. Really good team, 22-7 and overall. Problem with them, they really don't have much of an out-of-conference resume to speak for. Right now, they're kind of in that next four out. Really kind of needs to make some moves this week. Now, the good news is they have really uh, a great opportunity at home against Boise State. They play at UNLV later this week. Can't lose that UNLV game. If you beat Boise State, it gets very, very, very interesting. And another team, go to the Mountain West Tournament, shake some things up. You'll have some opportunities to win some big games there. I think they're probably on the outside right now needing to win some games. And you know who's certainly on the outside right now? New Mexico. Wild story. For people who forget, New Mexico was actually the last undefeated team in college basketball this season at 14-0. They are currently sitting at 20-9, meaning they have lost of their last 15 games. They've lost nine of them. Five and nine in their... or. uh Six and nine in their last, what is that? Six and nine in the last 15. Six and nine in their last 15. Seven and nine in league play. Lose at the buzzer to San Diego State. They're going to need a run. They were in great position. Now they're going to need a run at the conference tournament to have success. Finally, we'll wrap uh, WCC. Gonzaga. Gonzaga, listen, for a down year at Gonzaga, and I think there's some questions to have with Gonzaga in the you know, in the future, but right now we're talking about a Gonzaga team that is quote-unquote disappointing, that has wins over Alabama, that has a win uh, over Xavier, who's a really good team this year, that has a win over Kentucky on what is actually technically a neutral court, and Michigan State as well on a neutral court, that aircraft carrier game to kick off the season. Also beat St. Mary's this weekend. So Gonzaga, they're in no matter what happens to the conference tournament this weekend. Will be interesting to see, because I do believe, um, you know, it'll just be interesting to see feel like they can probably get to about a two seed if they were to win the tournament and other things happen in other places. Maybe a three seed, depending on how things go. Gonzaga wins their conference tournament. They'll probably end up on that two-line come selection Sunday. St. Mary's, their conference rival, they split with uh, Gonzaga in the regular season. St. Mary's is in the NCAA tournament, wins over Gonzaga, win over San Diego State, win over Vanderbilt early in the season. I would guess St. Mary's is probably in that six range of the NCAA tournament bracket, but give them credit. They scheduled aggressively. They won big early in the season, beat Gonzaga, regular season co-champs. St. Mary's is in. Finally, that's really it. There's one other team that I think is just worth keeping your eye on going forward. That team is the Charleston Cougars. What did I say? I love them Cougars, baby. How about the College of Charleston, okay? So cool story here. Pat Kelsey is a guy that's the head coach there. He was at Winthrop, had a couple great seasons. Another guy that kind of moved one step up the ladder. Year two there, they're 28-3, and 16-2 going into their conference tournament. Weirdly, because they are tied atop their conference with Hofstra, they only played Hofstra once. So because of it, 
They are actually not the number one seed in their own conference tournament. Now with them, another team, they're kind of right on the cusp right now. The big thing is don't take a bad loss before the conference championship game. If you lose to Hofstra, there will be an argument to be made that you should be in the field of 68, especially remember all of these other teams, they still have regular season games. They have bad conference tournament losses to take. Other teams are going to knock themselves out. I'm not saying this team will, but in Arizona State, uh, Nevada, whoever could knock themselves out for Charleston, just don't take a bad loss. I'd love to see them make this NCAA tournament. Um, I'd much rather see them than like a bad Wisconsin, a bad Penn State, whoever. But Charleston's probably the last team that you need to know. What an episode of the Aaron Torres pod. Okay, so that should set the table for what should be a fun next 10 or so days prior to us getting a bracket next Sunday. There's a, that was a lot. I am out of breath. I need a, I need a, a cold beverage. Listen, bottom line, time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torn Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on probably Wednesday. But maybe Thursday. Let's see how things shake out. New episode of the Aaron Torres Pod coming up soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.